0: If you listen to this podcast and find anything at all valuable, make sure you take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Junior so I can see it and repost that to my story. Also, if you have any questions or inquiries about what you want me to speak about on this podcast, I want to know. Message me at Junior and I'll be sure to get back. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. Welcome to the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. I'm your host, Billy Garton Jr., a 21-year-old entrepreneur and professional athlete. On this podcast, we'll be interviewing some of the most successful world leaders in their space in both business and sport, people who've amassed success, wealth, abundance, and most importantly, happiness, often after fighting incredible adversity. The hope is that through this podcast, we're not just going to inspire you or motivate you, but rather through the tips and hints that my guests share, spur you into action. If you're young and motivated, join me on this journey as we ignite the passion through some of the world's most inspiring stories. You know, when you wake up every day knowing exactly what you're striving for, nothing can stop you. When starting out my podcast, it was fundamental to me that I make it as professional as possible. And I could not do that without the help of Podcast Backdrops. Make sure you check out Podcast Backdrops on Instagram and put in the code BillyGarton to receive a special discount. Now let's dive into the episode. No matter where you are today, never stop dreaming of a better tomorrow. Today's guest, Ron Malhotra, is an award-winning financial advisor. He's an international speaker, he's a mindset and success coach, he's been a radio host, he's a best-selling author of the two books, Eight Wealth Habits of Financially Successful People, and another bold book called Impossible to Fail. He's been featured in virtually every news source under the sun from ABC, CNN, Fox News, Forbes, Yahoo, The Entrepreneur, you name it. He's the founder of the successful mail, which we are going to touch on deeper But it did not start there, and that's why we have Ron on today. Ron came from immense poverty, from being beaten up, from not being able to afford simple things such as a home or rent to live in. So Ron, we are so happy you came on. Thank you so much for taking the time. Ron, so I want to unravel it all here. It obviously didn't start with all this enormous wealth and abundance that you have now. Take me back to where it started. And I do not mean at face value. Take me deep. Who are you? Where are you from? What did you come from?
1: Well, every time I get asked this question, I always say that pain is the best catalyst for growth. And uh, I'm so blessed that I went through that pain that I went through uh, in my younger days. And just to give you some history, um, it's only recently that I even started to talk about my personal story. Uh, only a few years ago, um, Caroline, who's on this call right now, she encouraged me to talk about my personal story because I didn't really think it was such a big deal, and I still don't think it's a big deal, uh, because I actually see that as a blessing in disguise. But uh, just uh, you know, just to give some background to the audience, uh, I came from—I uh, was born in India. Uh, as you know, India is a, is a poor country, and uh, there's a lot of poor people there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, my parents were from, uh, you know. Average middle-class family. They were they were educated, uh, but uh, as I started, as I gr- was growing up, I realized that most people around me didn't have money, and they, uh, you know, no matter what they did, no matter what education they had, I didn't know anyone that actually had money, and so it was really bizarre. I thought, well, everyone seems to be going through the system of getting education and then going and getting a job, and then yeah. everyone seems to be in the same boat. It started to fascinate me why very few people uh, were very very few people were wealthy, mm-hmm. and so that that uh, you know and I, and I thought maybe it was just the fact that it, we're in India, so that's why people are poor. But once uh, we migrated to Australia, which is considered to be one of the wealthiest countries in the world, yeah, based on incomes and lifestyles, I discovered that majority of people here didn't have money either. Right. And then as I started to do some research as I started to get you know as I started to develop an interest in money and wealth. I started I started to look at the United States and I realized the same thing. And overall, it appears that a, a very small percentage of people actually become successful and wealthy. Now, for me, the things got really bad. I was completely broke. I used to work at the supermarket. I used to pack bags. And uh, the only place I could afford to rent, and I had to leave home quite early because we had some issues at home, and there was some... Um, uh, you know, one of my family members was going through a mental illness. Right. So uh, the, the the environment at home was unbearable, so I had to get out. And the only place I could afford to rent was a commission house, which uh, was basically a house that was typically rented out to people who are long-term unemployed, uh, ex-convicts, mm-hmm. uh, people with drug problems, so on and so forth. So uh, I ended up in this three-bedroom house, and um, I was the only person that actually had a job. Uh, none of the other guys worked. And uh, one day I came back from work and there was uh, all these police cars parked on the street. And uh, and as I walked towards the house, they said, is your name Ron? I said, yes. And they said, well, we found drugs in your room. Are you selling drugs? And I said, no, these drugs don't belong to me. They belong to these guys. The police believed me because they looked at my face and they said they could see that I'm not a drug user. They believed me. uh, And uh, they spoke to the other guys and they left But what followed afterwards was uh, 20 minutes of brutal beating because the guys felt that I had dubbed them in and they were not happy about that. And one of those guys was actually had become my best friend, but he was high on drugs. And all I remember was when I was in a fetal position and they kept kicking me and kept punching me, he grabbed a 20 kilo dumbbell and he threw it on my head. Now, after being beaten up severely, I finally got up and I walked to the room and I looked at myself in the mirror and I couldn't recognize my face. It was um, swollen. It was dirty. It was full of blood. And that was uh, the day I decided that I was never going to become financially dependent on anybody again, that I needed to get my stuff in order. And I, the, it was probably one of the worst days in my life because I couldn't even ring. I couldn't even ring. I didn't have, I didn't have any real friends and I didn't, uh, didn't feel like I could even ring my parents
0: Wow. Were you that back in the, India at this point, Ron, Or were you in Australia?
1: No, this was in Australia. In Australia. So, um, yeah. So, this was the time, I think that for me, that was a big day in terms of making the decision that I needed to become financially independent. And I think that was a turning point for me because I realized the less money you have, the less choices you have in life. And unfortunately, though, from that point on, I worked, I developed an extreme killer work ethic. I was going to get money one way or another. The problem, though, was I had a very unhealthy relationship with money. It was all about getting money because I had a fear of not having it. And I knew that having more money would make me matter in life. So unfortunately, I had anchored myself to money and wealth as a way to make myself matter. And so what ended up happening was I ended up with the money. I ended up with a few million dollars worth of assets by the time I was 31. But unfortunately, I wasn't happy and I wasn't inspired. I was coming home and I, I was married at that point and I'd come home and I'd have arguments with my wife. I was getting headaches every Friday, Saturday. I'd go out drinking. I'd get extremely drunk on the weekends. And internally, I had no confidence. Even though I was driving European cars, I was wearing 4000 $4,000 suits. I had Swiss watches. I had all the trappings of wealth. Uh, we had a beautiful 50-square mansion. But I wasn't happy. And that's when my real education started, actually at the age of 31, because I realized that the most successful people in the world aren't those who have a lot of money. The most successful people in the world are those who've learned how to make a lot of money doing what they love and something that makes a difference. Yeah. So in effect, even though from the world's perspective, I was successful, I was working in uh, you know, big private banks and fund managers, and I had good titles and positions, partnership opportunities. On the outside, I looked quite successful, but internally, I had no self-esteem.
0: Yeah. So if we were to take it back a little bit, Ron, before we go into your full shift in terms of who you've become now, when you initially made these millions and, and you became this person that went from that day where your mindset shifted to millions in the bank, but internally unhappy, what was that initial shift that you feel is the cause for your early success? What do you feel that shift was?
1: There was no success. It was just an obsession with making money. And so if you if you absolutely value wealth creation, you will prioritize it over everything else. You'll prioritize it over relationships. You're gonna prioritize it over everything else. So I would it's it's interesting. Once upon a time I used to label myself as successful, but now I say I wasn't really successful. All I had was assets. That doesn't make you successful. That makes you financially successful, but doesn't make you holistically successful. Mm-hmm. Okay. right? So yeah. so that distinction has to be made. So I didn't really, even though at the time I thought I was doing well, now when I look back, I go, that was probably one of the, I mean, I was doing well financially, but that was it. Health-wise, I wasn't doing well. Peace of mind, I didn't have. Self-esteem, I didn't have. Meaningful relationships, I didn't have. Influence, I didn't have. Um, and I didn't even love my career. I wasn't really inspired by it. I was just blindly chasing money.
0: You see all these things that you're talking about now, Ron, all these different factors that participate in your success, monetary-wise, relationship-wise, all these different things. We hear all these gurus and people talk about the grind and the hustle and what you have to do to create this enormous wealth. What would you say to somebody who's young that maybe was of a similar age to that you were when you were making this shift, someone maybe of my age, that the perception is that you can't be truly successful unless you're putting everything into your business and money. How would you look back and maybe give advice to someone like that?
1: Well, you know what? I still believe in the grind and hustle. Let me tell you. I still believe in it. I'm all for it. I'm a huge advocate of it. I can tell you now that uh, business is tough. So it is true. However, it's only partially true. Hustle and grind works well if you're internally inspired by what you do. Because once you have inspiration and then you combine it with a killer work ethic, it works extremely well. If you're, just purely doing, if you're just purely grinding and hustling and you're doing it purely for the money, yeah. then you're going to experience burnout. You're going to experience stress and it's going to lead to some sort of breakdown mentally. Um, and you know, for me, I, I was starting to feel a bit aggressive. You know, mm-hmm. I could see that I was frustrated all the time and I could see this, this aggression growing in me. I was arguing with people for no reason. I was fighting with my wife for no reason. And so I knew that there was something wrong. I still hustle and grind today, right? I'm, I'm still uh, extremely hardworking. And I love, but the, I love hard work. But the difference now is I get a lot of joy out, out of the opinion. hustle and grind. Yeah. So that's the difference. So I'm still all for it. But I have, we have to apply distinctions in thinking. So a lot of the times people will post, post on social media and they'll talk about hustle and grind. But they won't give the entire context. Well, hustle and grind is still the way to grow a business if you're starting out. However, by itself, it is not a holistic remedy. You need to do something that has meaning for you, that is in, that is in line with your zone of genius and makes you come alive. How do you because find that? Because when that happens, how do you find that? Well, yeah. this, is the, and this is where my real education started at the age of 31. Well, I was chasing money before that. But from the age of 31, it was a case of, well, who am I? That was the first question because when I had my first mentor, my The question that was asked of me is, who are you? And when I started to describe myself based on my name or my occupation or my nationality or my culture, what I was made to realize was that I hadn't picked any of those things about myself. I hadn't picked my name. I hadn't picked my my nationality. I hadn't picked my culture. I hadn't picked even my occupation. My occupation was also, my occupation choice was also a byproduct of cultural conditioning, media conditioning. So, it, so then I realized at that point, I had no idea who I was, and I had never really sat down and asked myself, what does success mean to me? Now, here's the thing. I'm still financially motivated. Okay? I'm a big advocate of wealth creation and financial security, and I'll talk about the reasons why. But there is a fundamental difference in how I approached wealth creation back then versus how I approach it now. Okay? So my, my, my ambitions for wealth creation haven't diminished. Yep. My approach has. And so there's a fundamental difference there. So now I still believe in creating wealth, but but how I do it is very important to me. Whereas yeah. previously, the how didn't matter.
0: Where's that balance then? Like for somebody going back to, so obviously someone like yourself now, but somebody of, of my age, somebody who's learning that route, you can look back now in hindsight because you've been through it. Somebody who maybe isn't going through it, how would you stop them from going through that, but also give them the, the tips and tricks in terms of the balance where they can be successful monetary wise which for a lot of people is of very high importance rightly so but then also have these other aspects where they aren't experiencing burnout they aren't experiencing stress they're still making friends still enjoying life and still feeling passionate about what they do
1: yeah well first let's talk about the concept of balance so let's just talk about and let's just acknowledge the fact that there is currently a massive imbalance towards poverty yeah. Okay, not in favor of wealth. Right. So how, what does that imbalance look like currently? Well, if you actually look at the global shift in wealth, which is a report that's produced globally, there are currently uh, estimated to be 45 million millionaires across the entire world. 45 million millionaires, right? Now, you might say, well, there are some people who have money that's unaccounted for, maybe from Asian countries and African countries, mm-hmm. Let's just add another five. We have about between 45 to 50 million millionaires on the entire planet. Now, as a ratio of the population, the world population, which is 7.8 billion, that represents less than 0.3% of the world population, right? So it's a very small percentage. Not even 1% become millionaires. So before we talk about balance in favor of rest and relaxation, we've got to sort out the balance in favor of wealth creation. And the reason for that is very simple. Longevity trends are telling us That you and me and majority of people in the developed world, as well as the developing world, are expected to live well into their 80s and 90s, potentially even into their 100s. Now, the average person is not going to work past 60 or 65, either because of illness, disablement, old age, um, an ill spouse, uh, because of automation trends, artificial intelligence trends. There's a number of reasons why the average person may not work their entire lifetime. Yeah. So if the average person stops working at the age of 60 or 65, how are, they going to, how are they going to support themselves financially for another 25 to 35 years when the social security systems across the world are going bankrupt? Okay. Now, mm-hmm. when I say going bankrupt, social security will always, they'll always find a way to pay the most disadvantaged people. But even if you were entitled to social security and you were getting your full social security benefit, it still keeps you under the poverty line. So why would you want to live like that? So the first thing we've got to acknowledge is that right now, when people talk about balance, work and life balance, the first thing I say to them is, look, right now there's a massive imbalance. You can talk about balance in favor of relaxation and enjoyment when 50% of the world is financially independent. Hey, not even 1% of people get there. So let's talk about right now, fixing that imbalance by favoring skills, mindset, and performance. And do you believe all that that relates to passion? Yes, because absolutely. That's the first starting point. So I never this is a this is the point that I was trying to make is that previously it was just about performance. It was just about money. But now it's about hey, let's first decide who am I, my identity, what success means to me. Two, identify my purpose, my passion, my values, my strengths, and my zone of genius. And three, build the skill set and the mindset that is aligned with those things so I can still achieve financial performance. However, this time I'm doing it differently because it's it's completely meaningful and aligned to who I am. And what I realized was there's a fundamental difference. When you are doing work that is aligned with who you are, you will naturally perform very well. And if you understand the concept of the flow, you'll be in the flow naturally. You'll be inspired. You are going to operate from a high vibration metaphysically you are less prone to disease, you're less prone to burnout, and you're less prone to having mental breakdowns because you love what you do. And so you find so much joy in what you do. And so even when you're doing it for 16 hours, it doesn't feel like 16 hours. Yeah. So that makes
0: sense. No, 100%. I think that's, I want to pivot a little bit here, but dive deeper into that. Because one of the biggest things I've become fascinated by on being a 21 year old entrepreneur, someone who has been to college, been to university, didn't graduate with a degree. I've listened to those people around me. And the biggest thing that hurts me is those people, when I ask them, what do you care about? And they tell me what they care about. And I say to them, why don't you do that? And they say, it's either not lucrative, my parents don't want me to, or I can't make a life out of that. And so what I want to ask you is, for someone like myself, I've, I've dedicated my life to soccer, football. I became a professional athlete. I now am an entrepreneur. I run a social media agency. And so I don't know what it is in me that gave me that mindset. But what would you say to somebody who is in the ulterior mindset of, I have these passions, but I've been convinced and drowned out by the majority that I need to get a job that, that I don't enjoy?
1: Well, I think we need to understand the landscape now. The world is changing fast, and we have to understand the origins of the academic education system. So if you look at the origins of the academic education system, which seemed to have evolved during the Industrial Revolution, the purpose of the academic education system was to produce laborers for capitalists. And it was never designed to produce capitalists. It was always designed to produce laborers. So the difference between laborer and a capitalist is that a laborer works for money, and a capitalist learns to make money work for them. Now, that mindset, you know, it it worked well up until the information age. But then what ended up happening was now we have an oversupply of um, graduates, we have an oversupply of employees, and we're at the exponential curve of technology where outsourcing trends, automation trends, artificial intelligence trends are very fast replacing jobs. So today, we have to really understand that back in the day, our parents had this perception that having one job was a way for us to secure a livelihood. And back in the day, that was definitely true. Well, today, the biggest risk you can take, and you really have to understand this, is having one job and one source of income, because you're one decision away from losing your livelihood. Not only that, your chances, if you actually look at your probability of becoming financially secure through an average paid or above average paid job, your chance of actually becoming financially secure are very, very slim, unless you're highly disciplined and committed and you have a very basic lifestyle. Now, if that's what you want, hey, that's fine. But you have to understand that when people say, you know, entrepreneurs are the risk takers. No, it's the employees that are risk takers because the risk, you have one source of income. You're one decision away from bankruptcy, right? So, we have to first understand that. And we have to, the young kids have to teach their education hey, look, look the world's changing. Yeah. The second belief that, hey, it's not lucrative. Today, for, when you say that, you have to be really careful because the question is if, if you have any skill set and you package it well to solve a real world problem in the marketplace, and you have the ability to promote yourself and your ideas, which is something that you can influence. You can make it lucrative. Okay? So that's the, another belief we have to question and go, well, it's not lucrative. Well, how do you know it's not lucrative? Number one. Because
0: they've been yes. convinced that it's not lucrative.
1: Correct. And the reason is because the whole academic education system combined with the media system, combined with the cultural conditioning, is it breaks your spirit. It is designed to control people. And the first people that control us is our parents and the second people that control us Uh, teachers and the third third people that control us are the media and the government. So we're being controlled from everywhere, right? So what it does is it diminishes the ability to think for yourself. And, and we know that there are studies that tell us that, you know, children are highly imaginative, but by the time they're 12 years of age, they can't, they can only, they have a highly developed intellect, but they have an underdeveloped imagination and intuitive senses, Mm -hmm. So that's not real in, in, intelligence, because if, if the only intellectual, to, only mental tool that you know how to use is the intellect, that's like trying to build a house with a hammer. And you don't know how to use the other types of intelligences, like you don't know how to use your instincts, you don't know how to use your imagination, you don't know how to use your intuitive faculties, yeah. you're, you're a limited thinker. And yeah. if you're a limited thinker, here's the problem with limited thinking. Your zone of perception is very narrow. You can't see possibilities. Even though possibilities exist everywhere around us, more than we've ever had, the average person has a very narrow frame of perception. And so they, when you have a narrow frame of perception, you can't see all the possibilities around you. And so what happens is these people, they get overwhelmed very quickly. They can't cope, mm-hmm. right? So we've, there's a case for also building mental toughness in people. But not just mental toughness. Mental toughness combined with emotional intelligence. That is a very powerful concept. A strong mind and a good heart. What we're right now seeing is that you'll see, you will see—you can literally see that majority of people either have a very strong mind or they have a very good heart. So the strong mind people tend to lack empathy and compassion because they're very performance-driven. The emotionally intelligent people tend to be very feelings-driven, so they can't perform. Magic is when you combine and integrate these two concepts, you have, you're mentally tough, but you're emotionally and socially and self-aware. Yeah. Now that becomes a winning combination. And unfortunately, those skills aren't taught in schools, in universities, or in the workplaces.
0: Stop. I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk directly to you. What do you care about? What is your deepest passion in this world? That is what you need to be doing consistently. So now that you know that, how can we align your content with those goals so you can build a personal brand that sells? That's everything we touch on in my eight-week personal branding accelerator. I'm opening up my next 50 spots as we speak, so DM me on Instagram at Billy Jr, and we'll hop on a quick 10-minute phone call to see if you're a good fit. Now back to the episode. I want to touch a little bit on that, that tunnel vision you were talking about and the, the small one-dimensional perception because for a lot of people that becomes uncontrollable because of the outside influence of their parents because when you're younger you obviously can't you don't your brain isn't fully functioned or fully developed enough to be able to make those decisions yourself so you're naturally shaped by what you're told and so you obviously were weren't blessed in many ways but maybe this was a way that you were blessed in the respect that you didn't have other people around you telling you what to do or telling you how to make those decisions in your life what would you say to those people or how do those people separate themselves from the outside influence of these people like their family members who they're consumed by day in day out
1: well that's a great question by the way i i think no matter who you are you're going to have some peer pressure you're going to have some family pressure you're going to have societal pressure there's always expectations from everywhere right and i've had that i've had my fair share but here is something amazing that happens once you know who you are. And that's why all education must start with knowing thyself. And you know, we have a program called the MBA of Success where the first module in that program is defining your success, okay? And then and the fourth module is discovering who you are. And here is something that, that is amazing that happens. Once you realize exactly who you are, it gives you the confidence to defy societal norms And it gives you the confidence and conviction to carve your own path. It is very difficult to do that when you don't have your own identity, okay? So the first part, and this is the wonderful thing. I think we're the only generation that's ever had access to uh, the ability to go through various programs, having going through mentorship and being able to discover who we really are at the core. Because here's the wonderful thing. You You and I may have the same values, I may share the same beliefs with another person. I may have a similar personality to the third person, but no one has the exact combination of personality, values, zone of genius, purpose and passion as me and you. So that's what makes us unique.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, it's like your fingerprint. If you can work that out, and that's the first thing I would say, if you want to be able to have the courage to not be bogged down by other people's opinions and to be able to rise above it and to be able to be be fixated on your vision rather than being fixated on your circumstances. You've got to know who you are. That's where it starts. And so the fundamental piece of advice, the best piece of advice I would give to everybody is that you will only develop the confidence to decide which path you want to take once you know you, who you are, and here's the, here's the unfortunate problem. In the absence of knowing who you are, if you don't know who you are, you don't know your purpose, you don't know your passion, you don't know your values, you don't know your strengths, you don't know your zone of genius, you don't know your goals, the only basis for you to make decisions is through circumstances and other people's opinions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the issue. So the first, absolute first step, do what you have to. Find, out, find personal development programs, get mentors, to first identify what success means to you and who you are. Once you worked out those two things, you are going to be less prone to the, the pressures that are coming from at you from different directions. And it will give you the conviction to carve out your own path because once you start to align your career choices to who you are, what you will find, and if you read the book by Gay Hendricks, uh, you are going to have more, you you start to make quantum leaps in life as opposed to making small incremental improvements in life. Mm -hmm. And so if you can work out your zone of genius, which is where you are naturally talented, you have a natural gravitational pull, you're naturally organized, you're naturally inspired. Once you you work out that zone, other people's opinions seem to have less impact on you. People don't stop giving you opinions. Mm -hmm. I mean, it still happens to me. And it, it's interesting that people who have never achieved anything in their life will have the audacity to tell you how to do things and n- not have the ability to self-reflect. Mm. But you're not, you don't get bothered by it because you start to go, you know what, that's just what people do. And you don't take it personally. But you have the conviction and confidence to still respect them, but disregard what they're saying, because you know where you're going. And so I think that gives you the, that genuine conviction. Yeah. And I think that's where you've got to start.
0: Well, let's paint a scenario then for 95% of the average people here, the average person. They're in a job right now that they don't like. They then come to you, they find their goal, they realize what their purpose is. They then know that, they leave their job. Between that massive success and where they are at the bottom just with a goal, is delusion a factor in the respect that you must believe you are there before you're there?
1: Well, I think we are all being brainwashed anyway, the way we live. And so much of what we believe to be the truth and now we're starting to realize isn't the truth. So I just say to people, look, you're going to be hypnotized by society anyway. You're going to be hypnotized by cultural pressures. Your work, your corporation's going to try and hypnotize you. Your government's going to try and hypnotize you. Why not self-hypnotize? Start in the morning by believing in yourself. Where it becomes a delusion is when you're only doing the mental work at an intellectual level, but because the whole idea of doing mental work, which is the inner work that you have to do, is to change the subconscious conditioning. Because once the subconscious conditioning changes, you will naturally start to behave and act and make decisions as per the subconscious conditioning. So if, say, say there's a person who claims to do a lot of mental work. You know, they do their meditation, they do their visual, visualization, they do their affirmations. But this person is not taking any action, convicted and continual and immediate and massive action. I must point that out continue immediate and massive action, not just any action. If they're not engaging in the action, then my argument would be that all of your mental work is purely intellectual. You have actually not embedded these concepts into the subconscious because all of our decisions are mirroring what's in the subconscious. So if you're deciding not to act, which is a decision in itself, then all of the mental work that you're doing is purely intellectual, which means that you, you know everything intellectually, but you haven't embodied any of the stuff that you've learned. You don't actually believe it.
0: Is that act forced initially because it's becoming intellect, it's uncommon to you? And then do you have to create a habit by forcing that act initially?
1: Not forcing it because forcing the word force implies resistance and you don't want to go into that emotional state. But forcing means, yes, in the beginning, even if you don't believe it, you must develop the habit. Because here is what I say to people. Don't worry about whether or not you're going to get results. All we want to do is set the habit. For example, let's just say if I was an overweight person and I was trying to lose weight, and you said to me, Ron, you've got to eat your vegetables, you've got, to go, you've got to work out, let's do some endurance training, cardio training. I already know this stuff. I know this intellectually, but I don't want to do it. So what's the best thing for me to do? Well, best thing for me to do is to start by just doing one minute a day, and one minute tomorrow, and one minute day after, and one minute the day after. And the reason is this. Is it going to make me healthy? Is it going to make me lose weight? No, it won't. But what will start to happen is after a while, because it's something that's become a part of my daily routine, I will develop a mental habit for it, and then my mind's going to start to crave it. Now, once my mind starts to crave it, meaning it doesn't resist it anymore, at that point, I will do it willingly. Once I do it willingly, I have a much higher chance of being able to lose weight because I have developed the mental habit. So this is the part that people don't understand. And everybody tries to convince everybody by having an intellectual conversation. And it doesn't work because we already know we should not smoke. We should not lie. We should save money. We should invest money. Everybody knows this stuff. Nobody does it. I'll tell you why they don't do it. Because subconsciously, they're programmed to struggle and survive. They're not programmed to succeed. Why does everybody go for a job? They go for a job because mentally they're conditioned to survive. So once they get to survival, all of their ambitions drop. Success requires a completely different program. Okay? So, and the skills that you need to make money are very different to the skills that you need to keep money and multiply money. It's not the same skill set. It's a very different skill set and it's a very different mindset.
0: So, is that internally or is that? externally or is it a combination of both
1: well first it's internally because you will not go and even acquire the skill set if you don't have the mindset but does the mindset
0: come by who you surround yourself with
1: that's a big contributor of it but it's not the only contributor because you can see there are some wealthy kids that are born in wealthy families and they have they're born to some very ambitious and overachieving parents but the child sometimes under under-achieves yeah because uh environment is only one contributor.
0: What are those Um, other contributors?
1: Well, there's a number of other contributors. First of all, the child got to know who they are. So they've got to do some, you know, they've got to, again, go back and identify what success means to them and discover their purpose. Then somebody like, for example, you know, I, you know, as the first generation in my family, who is uh, financially secure, you know, I have a seven year old daughter. So First thing I'm going to do with my daughter, and we were just talking this morning at breakfast, we were talking about her new business idea, mm-hmm. which is she loves her onesies. And she said, well, I want to make onesies for children. And she came up with an amazing name, which she's told me not to share with anybody. <laughs> Brilliant. But, but the thing is, what I'm instilling in her is this mindset of the fact that wealth follows those people who are driven by solving big problems in the marketplace, Okay so that mindset doesn't even exist in the middle class. The middle class don't sit around and I, and when I say middle class I'm not being derogatory because yeah. I am I was I've come from a middle class background myself. Yeah. But we never talked about empire building, entrepreneurship, capitalism, investing, index funds. We never never talked about risk management. What were the dining table conversations? We talked about other people. We talked about aunties and uncles and gossip and actors and athletes, right? So that's the conversation That's the difference in the conversation that are being had. But here's the thing. We don't just want to talk about money. What we actually want to talk about is the value. So when I talk about look at my daughter, my daughter is not going to have to struggle like I did. But does that mean I'm just going to give her money? Absolutely not. I'm going to give her money with a sense of obligation that she has a responsibility to grow that along with a transfer of wisdom and values, not just a transfer of wealth. So that's a very different way of thinking. So I think that's why environment without the right guiding guidance is not sufficient we've got to guide people as well where do you see the
0: sorry go on continue
1: yeah i'm just saying that unfortunately the education system is not about enabling empowering and making people independent it's about making people dependent because you can't control and influence independent people so easily
0: yeah where do you see then because your daughter she's obviously been fortunate in the respect that you've created wealth and so she's she's grown up in a in a situation that's comfortable. I have been fortunate as well that I've grown up in a, in a situation that's relatively comfortable. What do you say to those people who believe that adversity and massive adversity is necessary to create success and wealth and have that mindset to achieve anything?
1: Yeah, I think adversity is necessary. It's, a, it's an absolute prerequisite, but adversity doesn't necessarily have to do with money. You can have a lot of money and still have a lot of adversity at a personal level, yeah. at a social level, at an emotional level, right? Yeah, Money just cushion some of the, the blow. But I do feel that when you don't have money, as and I think Damon John wrote a book on the power of broke, it is true. I mean, when you don't have money, but then not everybody's driven that way. Like I know a lot of people who don't have money, and they still don't have money 10, 20, 30 years later, because they just don't have the drive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? But I do feel like for me, that low point in my life was definitely a capitalist. But I also know other people who've gone through a similar low point, but it didn't change them. And we all react differently to the same stimulus. Like, you know, um, I know a story. One of my, there was a colleague of mine. She did some coaching with a lady and she, this lady was in Singapore. And this lady tells her story about how she and her friend were overweight. And they went to the store to buy some clothes. And the salesperson looked at both of them and said, please don't try these clothes on. You're going to ruin them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now these, both these ladies were overweight One perceived it as a very negative thing and she went into depression. The other one perceived the same message and her takeaway was completely different. She said, I will never allow this to happen to me again. And so she lost a lot of weight. One remained overweight, one lost a lot of weight. And what drives how we perceive a message is our own internal value system. Okay, So if you insult me or if you call me names, you're not going to destroy me. In fact, what you're going to do is you're going to inadvertently motivate me even more. But I know people that if you insult them, you're going to break them. You're going to break them. And they're going to become anxious and depressed, right? So why do I perceive the same message differently is because of my own value system, which places a heavy value on my obligation to perform and achievement. The other person may not place that much value on achievement. And unfortunately, we don't pick our primary values. We pick our secondary values, but the primary values we're almost born with. Uh, nobody in my family is as driven as I am. Can so you change I, that? I,
0: or are, those prim- are those primary values set in stone?
1: Yes, they are because you know it's not to say that my people in my family don't want to achieve but they don't want to achieve as much as i do i seem to have a more insatiable desire for achievement and i'm naturally born that way in fact if i don't achieve and you put me in an environment which is all about balance and you know just keep you know just about keeping everybody happy and keeping social harmony i get depressed in that environment because i know that my my potential is being suppressed I don't want to feel that way but I just do naturally and I've always felt that way since I was a child. So I tend to believe that there are values that we're born with and then there are values that we end up acquiring and achievement is definitely a a natural value to me. I must achieve. I'm not happy if I don't achieve. Some people may say, well, that's an insecurity problem. That's an ego problem. And I go, how? What? No, it's not. I love it. And I love what I do. So how can you be saying that to me? So... And, the, and all the conflict in the world happens because we want people to live by our values. Now, for example, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you need to achieve in life. I believe that you have an obligation to achieve and maximize your potential, but I'm not going to enforce it on you until you enforce your value of the b- balance on me. So if you come and say, hey, Ron, relax, dude, you gotta, you're working too much. Take it easy. You know, not, life is not just about work. You've got to have fun then I'm going to go, ah, hang on, you're imposing your values on me. Let me impose mine on you just to show you, not to, you know, not to destroy you, but just to give you a taste of what it's like to have your values imposed by another person. But yes, I think you've got to, you know, and the thing is, is if you decide that you are not driven by achievement, well, what are you driven by? That's fine. Just decide what success means to you and then dedicate your life to it. Yeah. You're still going to be very fulfilled.
0: Hey there, young Spires. I wanted to take a break here and just talk to you about how I started my podcast. So starting a podcast can be quite daunting. You got to figure out camera equipment. You got to figure out sound, microphone, background, lighting. And that could be hard to think of. But when I found Blossom Media Studio, they made it so easy for me to just focus on what I actually care about, which is speaking to my guests on a weekly basis. Everything from pre to post-production gets taken care of. All I have to do is do what I enjoy, show up and record. So big thanks to Blossom Media Studio. Now let's get back to the episode. I want to touch deeper on this achievement thing, because this audience consists of high achievers. I myself doing this in itself and everything I'm going for is with the goals of being a high achiever. So I genuinely believe that I have that achievement mindset as well. When you're starting out, Ron, and there's not much that you are achieving, but you have this achievement mindset, how do you stop yourself from getting depressed or sad that you aren't achieving what you want to achieve quite yet? Is it practicing patience is it understanding the long game is it understanding that maybe a goal won't come initially and you put yourself in that mindset what is it
1: i'll give you a very specific strategy in fact have two two different lists but have them side by side on the left side have your gratitude list and on, on your gratitude list is everything that you've already accomplished overcome all the problems you have already solved all the things that are wonderful in your life now healthy parents i have good health You know, I have a roof over my head, I've traveled into different places, I finished my degree, whatever it is, right? For you, you just list everything there. On the right side, you list everything that you are yet to accomplish. Okay? Now, the reason you should have both lists at the same time is because if you only look at the list of things that you have to accomplish, which is essentially your goals, and you have a lot of them that you haven't accomplished, naturally, you're going to start to feel crap about yourself. Yeah. But if you have your gratitude list alongside, then immediately you're putting yourself in a high vibration. First, you're acknowledging the fact that you have overcome some stuff, you have achieved some stuff. And then from that vibrational frequency, when you then look at your list of things you have to achieve, you're in the right energy and the right mindset to be able to achieve that. So I would have them sitting side by side, okay? Then your goal is to continually, as you achieve things, put them in your gratitude list. As you achieve things, put them in your gratitude list. So if you actually look at my goals list, if I just looked at my goals list, I would get depressed too because there's so much there that I haven't accomplished yet, yeah. right? But then alongside, I have my gratitude list, and I go, well, all this stuff that I have done is also pretty remarkable. And you have to also understand, you know, like I, I don't just believe in the physical world. I, you know, there comes a point where you mindset teaches you so much, and then you go, well, there is more to the world than just mindset. Because mindset is all about psychology. What's the next step after psychology? It's spirituality. And spirituality is the understanding of energy, frequency, and vibration. And when you understand that, the first thing you realize is you want to put yourself in the vibrational frequency that is consistent with what you desire. So if you're depressed, you're feeling low energy, low confidence, and you've got all these massive goals, you have a vibrational mismatch. It ain't going to happen for you. Right, So that's why when we do our mentoring, like I have a number of groups and we do a lot of mentoring and training for a number of groups, the so first thing we do is an energy check and then the mindset check. Because if the energy check, if the energy is low, the mindset's not great, it's not a four out of five, we know that the skill set's not going to work.
0: What do those checks consist of?
1: Have. We just ask them, how are you feeling energetically? How are you feeling mentally? People know, right? People go, oh, I'm feeling a three out of five. Okay well we were supposed to talk about this today we we're going to talk about this part of entrepreneurship we we're talk about operational efficiency we're not going to talk about that today because the energy is at 3 to 5 because no matter what we teach you here you're not going to apply it yeah. you're not convicted energy is low so then we start to go back into energetic stuff or mindset related stuff to bring them back up to 4 out of 5 or 5 out of 5 ideally yeah and bring the skill set in
0: do you believe when energy levels are high that's when perception optimism all of those traits are increased
1: Well, it depends on the frequency that you need. So if you actually look at the work of uh, Dr. David Hawkins, who has actually measured these vibrational frequencies, and the number one way of influencing your vibrational frequency is through your predominant emotional disposition, which is how you feel most of your waking hours. I'm not the kind of guy that feels depressed. Okay. Like for me, the concept doesn't exist. And I've had a number of uh, people who haven't been happy when I've done my, my presentations publicly and I've talked about the fact, I don't believe in depression. Sorry, I don't believe. I just believe that the mind has an order-correcting mechanism. And if you're trained to constantly look at your vision and you're trained to look at all the things that you're grateful for, you're not going to feel depressed. Yeah. And, of course, people from a psychology perspective will argue that and say, but it's been medically proven. And I go, well, unfortunately, psychology does not acknowledge spirituality because the human condition is not just about body and mind. We also have spirit. And I can't get into that argument with you because you don't believe in that part. You dismiss that part. You don't believe it's true. So then we not we can't even debate this. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, I've studied metaphysics. So I've done the finance stuff. I've done the, real, the stuff that works in the physical world. Yeah. But I've also realized that it's largely inadequate. It doesn't teach us about our energetic nature. So once you combine that, especially in the area of money, it's extremely extremely powerful because money is an energy and it gets transferred from those who value it the least to those who value it the most. Mm -hmm. When you understand the energetic nature of money, because you have an interest in metaphysics, you are able to manifest things a lot faster. Right. But you unfortunately get people who only have either the metaphysical perspective or the physical perspective. And again, it's about the integration. And that's why, you know, in our program, for example, there are three things we teach mastery of self, mastery of business and Uh, financial fundamentals, mastery of um, spiritual, spiritual principles. We believe where these three integrate is where you have holistic success. So that's been my perspective. And that's what I would say to people is have those two lists together. You've got to bring yourself in the right energy. And then the question is, it's not just about being happy. It's about putting yourself in the vibrational frequency that is consistent with what you want to achieve. So for this achievement, what do you need the most? Do you need to feel sexy? Do you need to feel confident? What do you need to feel? Yeah. And the ability to feel something, because ultimately we're all chasing a feeling. Like nobody needs a mansion. Nobody needs a, a Bentley or a Rolls Royce. We're just chasing the feeling. We, yeah. can, we only sleep in one bed in one room at a time. We are chasing a feeling with all our achievements. I know I'm chasing a feeling. But here is the question. If I'm just chasing a feeling in the future, what if I could bring that feeling into the present now and feel that feeling first? Because then I can train my mind to know that this is the feeling that I want to feel. This is the disposition I want to remain in. And once I do that repetitively, that becomes my predominant conditioning. And then it's very easy for me to make the decisions and produce the circumstances that are aligned with that emotional disposition. Whereas what people are trying to do is they're trying to create success from a depressed, despondency, discouragement, emotional state ain't going to happen.
0: So do you consistently on a daily basis, practice that mindset of putting yourself in that emotional state?
1: hundred percent. And the thing is though, is if I don't do it, I'm still in the habit of doing it. So my mind automatically produces the thoughts and emotions that are aligned with what I want to achieve because it has very clear instructions on what I want to achieve. But despite the fact that it's a habit, I still do it because I understand that largely the influences around us in the world are based around fear, past thinking, lack thinking, limitation thinking, and scarcity-based thinking. For that reason, I must load my mind with all the ammunition I need to not be affected by all these negative influences whereas most people are actually getting out there in the world and they have no defense so naturally you hear this opinion you hear this media everything is negative but they're telling the economy is going crazy covid's killing people everything's going in here right you have no defense mechanism you have not loaded your mind with all the good stuff you have no vision mm-hmm. so you go out there and then some people are just going on meditating which the problem with that, I believe, is that you've just meditated, your subconscious is highly open and suggestible. And you have not then loaded with all the good stuff, the stuff that you actually want. You've just meditated. Now you go out in the real world. Your mind's like a magnet. It's gonna absorb everything around you. Yeah. So that's why we have to put these things in perspective. And what my biggest frustration is, you know, everyone's advocating personal development and meditation and affirmations and visualization and money mindset and investing. But you know what? People are not giving people context. And I can tell you, incomplete information is dangerous because it lacks context. And so many people just buy the bits and pieces of knowledge and go, well, yeah, well, you know, I'm just going to become a wealthy person by buying real estate with no money down. Really? Do is, is, you think that's how simple it is? Or I'm just going to buy some stocks and, you know, I'm going to invest like Warren Buffett. Really? You know, people have no perspective. So we have to train people properly. We've got to give them the foundations and the sequence. Like I have, as, as an example, we teach people the sequence of wealth creation. And we teach them that if you miss any step in the wealth creation sequence, you will only, if you become wealthy at all, you have very high prob- low probability that you'll become wealthy. But if you do, you're not going to keep it because it's all based on luck. Whereas if you follow the entire sequence, you are going to make sure that you're doing everything that you need to do along that sequence so and where that's does
0: you, what, where yeah. does your your practice then of this this first step, this visualization? you obviously do it now naturally it's subconscious it's it's not even it's just become a habit for you. What are the the keys and the tips for somebody who's not in that mindset yet to consistently practice this sort of visualization, whatever you call it the emotion? That you put that state that you put yourself in of all these achievements. What are the what are the ways to, to go about that consistently?
1: Well, I'll share my routine, but the thing is here is the thing. Right now, even if you hear me out, it doesn't mean you're gonna do it, because if your program has what we call a disbelief around this stuff, your mind will automatically delete everything that I've just said. Okay? Or it'll distract you with something else. So you're not gonna do it. But wait, let's just assuming that some people may adopt this. I'm happy to share what I do. So when I get up first thing in the morning, the first thing I do is I clear up my mind, which is like I do a meditation. It's 10 to 15 minutes along with deep breathing to get oxygen in my brain. And then from there, I do my, all my goals, my journaling, my visualization, my affirmations and so on and so forth. Then I do my physical exercise. So what I've done is I've emptied my mind and then I've reloaded with all the stuff that I want. But for me to load it with all the stuff I want, I must know what I want very clearly and specifically. And when I do my visualization, I don't just engage with the words, I engage with the thoughts and the feelings and the images at the same time. The reason is your subconscious does not speak the language of words. It speaks the language of emotions and visuals. So if you don't have clear emotions that you want to feel and you haven't practiced them, if you don't have clear visuals of what you want, What are you going to do? You're just going to say the words, but are you really engaging with the thought and feeling or are you just engaging with the words? And if you're just engaging with the words, there'll be no permanent shift in your conditioning because your subconscious speaks the language of emotions and visuals. It doesn't understand the language of words. And the other thing it doesn't understand is anything that you're going to do in the future. It only understands now. Unfortunately, people are not trained on this stuff and they don't want to be trained on this. How people are learning these days, and there's a lot of people saying, you don't need mentors, go on YouTube, go and do this. Can you imagine doing a medical degree like that? Can you imagine trying to be an architect like that, just picking random bits and pieces of information and then trying to make sense out of them? So that's why I'm such a big advocate of mentoring. And by the way, just so you know, it's my 12th year of being mentored myself. 12th year. I have been with mentors every single year since the time I started mentoring, which was at the age of 31. And I can't believe people spend no money on mentoring at all. And now people are going to look at this and they'll get skeptical. Oh, Ron's I'm talking about this because he wants to mentor me. He wants to charge me money. Hang on, put that aside for a minute. Yes, that's true. But it doesn't take away the need for you to be mentored. If you, have, you don't know where you're going, you still need to be mentored. Don't get mentored by me, get mentored by somebody who has the results you want and has the structure so that's why i'm such a big advocate of mentoring but a very few a very small percentage of people actually get mentored
0: so you see this this relationship with business and life and everything to do with entrepreneurship and goal setting as this overarching picture it's not just one thing where you can take it and run away with it because you feel like from my understanding what i'm hearing is that it's almost like running with a chicken with its head cut off you don't know where you're going and you won't end up with the results you want to achieve. So you believe there's so many more aspects that go into that. What are some of those main aspects in terms of, of these achievements that, that you feel need to be put in place before you can even strive for those goals that most people are missing out on?
1: Well, I, think, I don't think anyone should set goals until you know who you are. Like goal setting, like for example, in our program, goal setting is module 10. We don't even get into goal setting until a person's fully discovered who they are and what they want and what success means to them. Because what goals are you going to set? You're going to set the type of goals that I set where I ended up climbing the corporate ladder and then realized that the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. Because I went and set a goals, but I did not do any internal work on myself. And that's one of the reasons I'm passionate about this is, and I say to people, defer setting goals until you know exactly who you are and what you want you've set the wrong types of goals and you'll achieve the goals but you want to achieve the fulfillment right and as tony robbins says you know success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure and that's what happened to me
0: so for someone in an achievement mindset then ron who who wants to set these goals but that's not till module 10 for you yep how do they remain patient in finding themselves and because for, for example i'm putting myself in in a selfish standpoint here I've got, I've got, I think I've got these big goals. I want to achieve massive success. If I have to go back now to find myself and go through all of these modules before I get to module 10, I feel like I'm going to be like in some sort of depressed state because I don't feel like I'm making the steps towards where I want to be. So touch on that a little bit.
1: And I understand that very well because I'm the same. I'm very impatient. And uh, unfortunately, it's one of the curses of being a high achiever is it doesn't come with a lot of patience. Mm But, you know, I'll use an analogy to explain. I was, um, I was in New York. Um, I was walking past the, this site, this building site, and, you know, and I was very curious to see how deep the hole was. And when I looked down, I was amazed. It was such a deep hole that they had dug. And I'm, I, I, I remember myself being absolutely fascinated by how deep that hole was. But my second thought was, if the hole is so deep, I wonder how tall the building is going to be. Right, Because that was the first thing I realized, because I realized if, if they've dug such deep foundations, that that, that building is going to be a very tall building. And then my third thought immediately after that was, if they hadn't dug that hole so deep, would it have restricted the height of the building from an engineering perspective? And the answer is yes, it would have. So that's when I realized the importance of building deep foundations, And not avoiding the deep foundations and not being in a hurry to build level one, level two, level three, level four of your life, because all that's going to happen then is the wind's going to blow one day. And if the foundations and the building's been built on weak foundations, everything's going to get exposed. So from that perspective, I completely get the fact that nobody wants to go back to square one and start again. But that's not to say that you put your life on hold. So that's the thing. You keep doing what you're doing. If you already have goals and inspire you, keep setting those goals. But there is a case for going back and revisiting everything. And we do the same thing in entrepreneurship. I run a a mastermind called Legends. And the tagline for Legends is we we transform visionary entrepreneurs into legends. Now, in our mastermind, we have people who are at the startup stage. We have people who are in the growth stage. We have people in the consolidation stage. They're all in different stages. And I, know, I knew when I started the mastermind, some of them will be con- concerned that when Ron talks about the unique value proposition or he's talking about the tactical marketing plan, hey, I'm not at that stage anymore. That stuff is more applicable to people at the growth stage or they might be applicable to people at the startup stage. I'm already past that. And I go, no, you're not. You're not. Just like when you're building a building, you go up and then you come down. You go up, you come down. You have to do the same thing in business. You can't be, just go, well, I've made it. I can tell you majority of business people have weak foundations. They have not gone and refined all of that work. They've just kind of rushed through it. And just because your business is growing doesn't mean anything. And even if it's growing, why would you not want to go back and revisit the foundations every now and then and make sure that, hey, if there's stuff that I need to tighten up here and there, let me tweak it a bit more. It's the same thing with life. If you've gone and set goals, great. And you're inspired by those goals, great. But is it possible, perhaps, that once you have a really true understanding and appreciation for who you are and what makes you unique, that your goals may change a little bit, but also you may magnify those goals a lot more. And if you magnify those goals a lot more and you activate your reticular activation system and achieve those goals, are you going to be further ahead in life? So um, understand the impatient stuff because it happens to me as well, and I hate going back. But again, it's just about putting some perspective around it.
0: Do you believe that's all because of your brain where you're talking about you have to relive the foundations, you have to go back to the foundations? Is your brain a mechanism and a a muscle that will easily forget regardless of how strong those foundations are?
1: I think clarity of, I mean, business is all about, you know, one of the skills that nobody talks about in business is execution. But, you know, we have a business advisory company. Our tagline is execute your vision with precision. What does that mean? What that means is if you don't have clarity of thought, you're not gonna execute with precision. So it does go back, go back to having a fundamental understanding as to why you're doing what you're doing. Have you noticed that anytime you do something in life, which you're very convicted about, you do it well. When you're not convicted about it, you don't do it so well, you don't even commit, you don't follow through. So once you understand why I'm doing this, why I'm revisiting the foundations and how that impacts the growth of my business and the scalability of my business, or my business financial goals, and all of a sudden your conviction goes up and you start to enjoy the process because you see the benefit of doing so. When you don't understand the benefit, of course you're not so motivated to do it. So that's why we go back and we explain to people look, it's not, you know, it's the why. Why are we doing this? We're not just doing it for the sake of doing it. We're doing it for a reason. Yeah. We absolutely. get the fact that you want to achieve. But that's precisely why we're doing this.
0: I suppose right? so just- I suppose you teach people then not just about entrepreneurship. And maybe this is a way we can sort of pivot a little bit. In this age, the age of entrepreneurship is cool. Do you teach people how to decide whether they are cut out to be an entrepreneur? Do you believe everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur? Where do you see that state of entrepreneurship nowadays?
1: I think we again need to talk about is how people cut out to be entrepreneurs. But majority of people are not cut out to be entrepreneurs because they haven't been trained that way. But that's not to say they can't be cut out to be entrepreneurs, okay? Uh, Majority of people, if if you've gone through a highly compliant academic system and then you've gone and worked for a corporation where expression is not encouraged, expansion is not encouraged, you are paid for following the rules, of course you're not cut out to be an entrepreneur at that point through training. But are you cut out to be an entrepreneur spiritually? Now, this might be a very esoteric, wishy-washy concept to a lot of people. But if you actually understand the human condition and you understand that the human spirit is naturally driven towards expression and expansion, then that would mean that everybody can be cut out to be an entrepreneur. Now, Of course, you need to get rid of the mental blockage and the mental resistance because if your belief system is not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur and I'm not one of those people who's cut out to be an entrepreneur, then you're not going to let your spirit expand. You're just gonna already, you're already resisting internally. So you have an energetic block. So yes, through training, most people are not cut out to be an entrepreneur, but spiritually, if you actually understand the human condition and you understand the human spirit's always seeking expression and expansion, then yes, because entrepreneurship is simply an extension of your personal vision. Mm Right? And that's why entrepreneurs who create tremendous value in the marketplace get rewarded immensely financially for it. And employees don't because employees' focus is inward typically. And I don't have a problem with employees, by the way. I have a problem with the employee mindset. And that's not to say that every entrepreneur has an entrepreneurship mindset. Some entrepreneurs have the employee mindset. And that's why they struggle. Mm-hmm. So just because you become an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you are immensely an entrepreneur as well. And some employees have the entrepreneurship entrepreneurial mindset. That's why they end up doing extremely well. And they end up having equity stake or profit share or becoming uh, indispensable leaders to their organizations. Because even though they were an employee, their mindset was that of an entrepreneur. So, so is, that's the, the is the success
0: mindset the entrepreneur mindset to you?
1: Not Not necessarily. Because success mindset is simply having clarity about what you want. I have... I uh, have a client in Israel. I was speaking to him yesterday, and you know, he said to me, he's very happy with his job—a small side gig, doing some investing, and spending time with his family. Is he successful? Yeah, hell yeah, because he knows what he wants and he knows how to get it. So he's successful. He ha- he he. At one point, we were contemplating whether he should become an entrepreneur. We made the decision yesterday. He did not need to be an entrepreneur because the life that he's choosing now, we're very deliberately gives him the fulfillment, and allows him to live by his highest values. Therefore, he's successful.
0: Do you believe that most people convince themselves that there's something that they want because of the state that they're in? For example, I'm earning X amount. I'm going to convince myself and everybody around me that this is exactly what I want.
1: Yes, absolutely. People settle and they adjust their expectations because they're afraid to increase their goals and increase their income. Of course, hundred percent, yes. So people what they do is in order to avoid the cognitive dissonance and the emotional pain of admitting that they simply don't want to do the work and they're afraid of doing the work, they just downgrade their expectations and they say, you know, well, it's not about money anyway. Everyone, you know, it's all about happiness. Well, we'll see when you get sixty when you turn sixty five, and then you are thinking ten times about buying your grandchildren their presents for Christmas, we'll see about that happiness. And I know I am sounding no, right bet. now. My tone might be a bit antagonizing to some people, but that's because I no, just no, get no. so sick and tired of hearing people constantly justify their limitations and never acknowledging the fact that the amount of income that you make for majority of the middle class is something that they can influence.
0: So for somebody who is of the age below 25, say that still is in the, in the chance or has the chance to not get stuck in that mindset, and not have to change it because they can influence it before it happens. What would you say to that person?
1: Well, I'd say for a for a young millennial today, I would say, look, uh, do your school, and don't go straight to university. Have a gap year. In that gap year, go and work for a few businesses, and don't worry about the money that they pay you. Go and get as much experience. Learn about business within somebody else's business before you become an entrepreneur. Okay, understand and become and and. Offer everything, put everything into making. If you can make their business successful, if you can contribute to the growth, then you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Otherwise, you continually need to train your mind. And you can't just train your mind to become an entrepreneur by reading books and watching videos. You've actually got to do the work. So I would say have a gap year. In that gap year, get as much experience as you can. Work for somebody else's business, ideally a startup, because you'll really start to see. In a startup, you don't have a defined role. You're doing a number of things. It'll give you an appreciation for business. And you may not enjoy it in the beginning, but give it some time. After about a year and a half, two years, you might start to develop the appetite for it and then get into entrepreneurship if you have to. If you decide to go into a corporation, understand that your chance of becoming a CEO, CFO, COO or any C-level executive is you know, less than 5%. And you're going to have to be extremely good at communication. You're going to have to be extremely good at politics. You're going to have to be extremely good at persuasion. You're going to have to be extremely good at a number of things to get to the top. But make a decision. And I would not recommend anybody go and do a university uh, course. I did my MBA um, way you know, later in life. And even that, I sometimes go, what did I actually learn from it? Well, what I learned from it is commitment and following through more than anything else. What did it teach me about business? Practically nothing. Um, So that's what I would be saying to the young people. And of course, I would say get a mentor to work on your mindset because if you get the skill set, but you haven't got the mindset, you'll still struggle. But if you get the mindset and the skill set and you combine it with immediate and massive action, you're going to be unstoppable.
0: Those people with no money or very little to no money who are looking for mentorship ideas do you find that in the form of books and non-physical mentors how do you go about that
1: i would say be resourceful go and make a trade with your mentor i had all these years i've had a number of people come and say i'd like to be mentored by you but i haven't got the money i've had one lady who from portugal portugal who said to me look what do you need in your business right now i've got skills and even if i haven't got the skills i'll go and build those skills i'll learn let me do your marketing let me do your graphic design let me do this let me do your website and can you mentor me in return in exchange. Now, that's a resourceful person right there. That person is not looking at limitations. They're looking at what they want. Majority of people will go, but I don't have the money. Well, why don't you have the money? You don't have the money because you haven't worked out a way to add value. But you've got time. Why are you not using that time to work out how to add value? Why are you not making offers? Why are you not making your labor free? Because you've got time. Make your labor free if you want mentoring that badly. And look, this is where I, I call out people's BS. You know, they say, oh, I want mentoring, but, you know, I don't have any choice. Well, you do. Unfortunately, you, you want the resources before you have the resourcefulness, but you've got to build the resourcefulness first. And what I find with this stuff, with these, these conversations is, Billy, people end up, people don't like the truth. They want to believe that it's the circumstances or it's the parents. But unfortunately, you see, I can't buy into that argument because I came from those circumstances. So for me, it's a case of it's an absolute lie because if it were the truth, then I should be where I am either. Yeah. You know, so I can't buy into it because my life experience has taught me, along with other high achievers that I know who have come from backgrounds of poverty or intense psychological drama, I have seen over and over again that those people did not have resources at all, but they did apply the resourcefulness of their mind to create the life that they wanted. Yeah. So uh, I'm not too accepting and accommodating of those types of excuses, which sometimes people may say, well, you know, you're you're not compassionate. Well, I am compassionate. That's why I see your potential. On the contrary, believe me, I know that you can do it. Believe me, I see the power of your spirit. You're not seeing it. You're not being compassionate to your own potential.
0: Yeah. Well, above all this, Ron, and this could be the way to close it out. What I'm getting from this is your mindset is virtually anything is possible. All you have to do is lay the foundations there.
1: Why do you think I wrote the book, Impossible to Fail? I was accused of being arrogant and what an audacious title. And I said, sorry, I'm not being arrogant. You're being ignorant about your own potential. You have no idea how powerful your spirit is. Unbelievable. You know, um, but yeah, you're right. I, I absolutely believe that mentally and emotionally everything's possible. We have physical and genetic limitations, definitely. But mentally and emotionally, there's very few things we, 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 um, we can't do.
0: Well, Ron, this has been one of my favorite episodes, arguably my favorite episode so far, because from somebody who has listened to the people around him, from somebody like myself, who I feel has that high achiever mindset, but sees everybody else's potential like you do and and wants to help them and wants to show them, this is an episode they need to listen to. And whether I promote this marketing wise, which I will personal branding wise, which I will, which you obviously will as well. I'm going to show this individually to as many people of my age that I can because that is has been one of the most inspirational, practical as well hours of of my life. So, Ron, massive, massive thank you. Before we close this out, where can people find you? What have you got coming up? What do people need to know?
1: Uh, well, check me out on Instagram. I mean, if, you, if you've got a young audience, I'm becoming more active on Instagram. Um, I intend on being extremely active now over the next uh, few years. Uh, check me out on Instagram at the Ron Malhotra. Check uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, and if you if you have a mindset thing, get the, get my book Impossible to Fail. You, it's very hard for me to give you the entire context in an hour. And Billy's asked some fantastic questions. Thank you, Billy. Obviously, you're a very insightful and deep and mature person with um, advanced perceptions. Um, but you know I had an hour so the, what I would suggest is that you know check out my book Impossible to Fail and it, I'm not just doing this as a shameless plug because if you buy from Amazon I get a few cents for it it's more the fact that it'll give you some foundational understanding of why I'm saying what I'm saying
0: 100% well Ron we're going to have to have you again on here at some point we've got so many other things to talk about personal branding your life as a whole so much more to dive deeper into but thank you so much again everybody else you know what to do give me a follow at Billy and Jr subscribe if you have not already to the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast I've said it once I've said it twice I'm going to say it a million times until we get to the top 25 business podcasts that's the goal we've hit top 100 in England now we've hit top 12 I believe in Ireland we've hit top 30 in Portugal everybody else we're on the up thank you so much see you soon